0: I want to start this morning, uh, I want to read two stories from Scripture. We're not going to spend any time with these stories. I'm not going to go into any detail with them. I really just kind of want to read them and and then with a thought from them kind of move forward from that. Uh, The two stories, the first one, John 11, I would imagine you might be familiar with. It's the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And it starts, I'm coming, kind of starting near the end of the story It says, Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there's going to be an odor. He's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you, and folks, this is kind of the key thought for the morning, did I not tell you that if you believed, you'd see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things he cried out with a loud voice Lazarus come out. The man who had died came out his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him said to them unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews therefore who had come with Mary and seen What he did believed in him. And then a story that I would imagine maybe you wouldn't be quite as familiar with, and it's a story very different from what I just read. It comes from Acts chapter 5, verse 1. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. Now, the problem here was not the amount of money that they had given. The problem was that they gave the appearance. Boy, that's easy at church to do, isn't it? To give an appearance of what we are and of what we're doing. They gave the appearance. They led everybody to believe that they were giving everything when in fact they weren't. And that was the problem. So Peter says, while it remained unsold did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? And Peter saying, hey, Ananias, this is yours to do with as you please. So why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You've not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. When the young men came in and found her dead, or the young men came in, they found her dead and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church. Boy, that's got to be a little bit of an understatement, doesn't it? Uh, That would probably do it for me. Great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. Now, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people. "...by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, both multitudes of men and women." Man, that's wild, isn't it? I mean, we've got one story where where Jesus raises somebody to life, and man, many believe. I get that. I understand that part. And then you've got another story that produces really the very opposite kind of act of God or work of God, where God literally, and folks, I don't know how to say this any differently than God kills two people. And many believe. How does that work? Can you imagine that? Two opposite acts of God. I mean, really opposite acts of God, right? And yet it has the same result. How is that? How does that happen? I've been thinking about that and just kind of came to the conclusion that maybe for us today the issue is not what the act of God is, but that God is. Maybe what's needed in your life and in my life is not the particular answer to a prayer or a particular miracle that we're seeking, but it is to experience the living God and His glory. You know, that's my prayer for you. That's, that's my prayer for you, for me, for all of us that is the ends to which I preach, that is the ends to which I lead this ministry is that we see and experience the glory of the living God. And so overwhelmed by that glory, we cannot help but go and tell. We are compelled to go and tell the God story. You know when I think about being compelled, cannot help but go and tell makes me wonder, why are there so many believers? Why are are maybe the majority of believers, the majority of churches, why do we not go and tell? Why why do we not feel that compulsion? Is it because we've not seen and experienced? Because we really don't know the, the glory of the living God? Is that perhaps maybe part of the reason that throughout America we see young people leaving the church in droves? Because they haven't seen God. Oh, we we taught them the God stuff, didn't we? I mean, we we told them, you know, here's who God is and here's who He isn't and here's who you're to like and who you're not to like and what you're to believe and what you're not to believe and where you're to go and where you're not to go. We told them all the God rules. We told them all the God stuff. But in the midst of that, they never actually saw or experienced God. Maybe worse, they realized that all the people telling them this had also not seen and experienced the living God. Our desire, our goal, is to know God. It's to experience Him, His glory, His power, and His work. And to be compelled to share that with the world. It's kind of towards these ends. This idea that these last couple of months. I've been praying. I've been praying. I've been praying over five requests. But in those five requests. It's not as much the answer. Oh I care about the answer. There's a specific answer. There's a specific thing I'm looking forward for in each of these things. But more than that. I am praying that in these answers that God shows Himself and that God reveals Himself. That we see His greatness and His glory and we are compelled to go and share. These five requests, I actually have prayed in front of you one time. It's on April 22nd, I doubt you would remember that day. I doubt you'd remember those prayers. Well, except maybe one of them. You might might have remembered the prayer that that day kind of stood out. You might remember that was the day I prayed for two million dollars. Now, after I prayed that, you didn't hear the other four. Yeah, what in the world? Yeah, that is one of the five requests. You know, oddly enough, that is a I've prayed that kind of thing before for our church family, for other churches I've been a part of. To be honest with you though, that's that's not really the kind of prayer that I would have prayed out loud, that I would have shared with others. I, I would have kept that kind of prayer to myself. For a couple of reasons. One, I I didn't want to be held accountable for a prayer like that. I I, I didn't want to be held accountable if that prayer didn't get answered. And that kind of leads to the second reason I didn't pray that out loud. I, I didn't know if God would answer that prayer. I'm not saying I didn't believe God couldn't answer. I believe He could. I know He could. There's no doubt in my life about that. I just didn't know if I believed He would. So I'd keep a prayer like that to myself. Folks, I kind of got convicted, though, that you can kind of... Well, we can play word games, can't we? Would, could. How about maybe the reason I didn't pray that out loud is because I just didn't believe God. Didn't believe He would do that in our midst. Didn't want to be held accountable for it. And All of a sudden, I'm wondering, hey, maybe the reason we don't see the work of God and the glory of God is because of me. I'm not praying in a way that turns our eyes to God to see His power and His work. Not, not what man can do, not what a church can do, but what God can do. And so it was kind of out of that that I prayed those five prayer requests on that day. That for me, did, nobody knew what was going on. I didn't give any introduction to this, any explanation. I just stepped up and prayed. But in that prayer, while nobody knew what was going on, for me, it was an act of faith. It was a real step of faith. I'd like to share those five requests with you Again, these requests that I've been praying over each day since April 19th, April 22nd was the Sunday, April 19th was the day that I wrote these prayers in my journal. We're not, we're not going to bow our head and close our eyes, I just want to read them to you as, as I've written them in my journal and as I've been praying for them. There's a kind of a little introduction prayer and then the five requests and then the closing. So if you'd allow me, I just want to read these and uh, kind of hang with me here says, Lord, I pray Colonial Heights Baptists would believe on you greatly and pray greatly. Answer these prayers in a way that we see you and praise you and talk about you all over our community and our world. Telling the next generation. May we see the people of God rally around your goodness and your greatness. May our community and our world know that there is a God at Colonial Heights Baptist. Number one. Lord, would you provide over $2 million to pay our most recent loan we took out? Do that in 2012. Do that in a dramatic way that the whole church sees what you did. Number two, Lord, would you move in the midst of our church to show us if indeed you want us to be one church at two sites? And where you would have us to go for that? If there is a second place, I pray you'd show us that by this fall. I pray you will bring the place, the provision, and the personnel. Lord, may it be clear we are following you. I pray for a God moment that the entire church sees what you are calling and what you are enabling. I pray that second side is there for Easter of 2013. Number three, Lord, I pray we would see more of our church move into life groups and begin growing in community. May we be a church doing the one-anothering you command all throughout the New Testament. I pray it results in more people being saved and growing in you. I pray it results in people following after Christ more faithfully and effectively. Number four, Lord, may your Spirit move among us and may we respond. Move to bring people to salvation, to repentance, to Christ-likeness. Speak to us, direct us, and may we faithfully hear and respond. Number five, Lord, I pray for an excitement and unity about the the vision, the worship, the work of the church here. Let us not fall into divisiveness or grumbling. May we each know the role we play for this to be a vibrant and healthy body of Christ. And then I kind of concluded, Lord, there is nothing impossible with You. Your arm is mighty and strong. There is nothing in these requests You cannot do. Lord, would You move in all those in a way that the church sees it. May we see Your work and may it inspire faith, obedience, and growth. I know we're to walk by faith and not by sight, but I want a church to see You and rally around You in unity, around Your greatness and around Your work. Be great in our midst, Lord, to the point that we are compelled to tell others, to tell the next generation, not just of this in this world, but to tell the Next generation of Colonial Heights Baptist. Now folks, what, what inspired all this? I want to give you kind of a context where this all came from. What kind of inspired all this? That week, I referred to April 22nd, April 19th. That Monday, I believe it was on April 16th, I started reading a book. It's called Circle Maker by Mark Batterson. I know some of you are familiar with it and have read it. And in that book, there is, for me, there was a real challenge to have a lot more God-sized prayers. To be depending upon God for, for more and more of what only He can do. You know, if you're like me, and I, and I trust that really a lot of you are, you pray. You pray a lot. But folks, do you have a tendency to pray for things you can handle yourself and you will handle yourself? I mean, you're a good Christian, you're commanded to pray, and so I'm going to ask God to bless and guide and provide and heal and protect and do such and such and such and such. But I've got it. I'm going to handle this. I mean, I can get up from this moment of prayer and go on and do what needs to be done. I mean, it'd be awesome if God would come and make it go faster and smarter and richer and more successful and happier and heal. I mean, it'd be great if God would come and, and do something in the midst of But if He doesn't, I mean, that's okay. I mean, I, I can go on. I've got this. Don't a lot of prayers end up being that? We've got it. It'd be awesome if God come and do something too. This book really challenged about the kinds of prayers that are in our life that, that demand God's glory and God's presence, that demand God's work alone, looking to Him, believing on Him for that kind of thing. And it was in that kind of context that as I was reading this book, I jotted down these five requests. Folks, those five requests are not, by any stretch of the imagination, the only thing we should be praying about for the, in this church. It would be many times that. I'm not even suggesting those are the five most important things that we should be praying about in this church. There are just five things God laid on my heart. Five places I wanted to see God move and work and that I would depend on, on His work alone. So that was the kind of the context that I began praying. And to be honest with you folks, I have no idea how God's going to answer those prayers. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know what. You know, three of those, and I know you haven't memorized them Three, four, and five. That was praying about people moving closer together in relationship. Moving into those life groups because we follow Christ together. The the, the prayer about unity. The prayer uh, about moving in response to the Spirit's work and movement among us. Those three things are God's will. I, I don't wonder about those three. Those are God's will for our church. Those are God's will for every church. And, and, and Mark Batterson in this book, he challenges that, hey, how many of your prayers can you tie directly to Scripture? How much of your prayer life is tied to God's will, tied to what God is desiring, it, it got what God is looking for? And we should have a, a significant number of prayers that, man, we're praying the will of God. We know that. Now, number one and number two, the, the money and, and us becoming one church at two sites, another site I don't know that that's God's will. I don't, I don't know how He's going to answer that or what He's going to do or the, or the money. I, I, I don't know what He's going to do in that. I know this though, it's not wrong on Him to, to believe on Him greatly. It's not wrong to create places of prayer avenues where we will look for His work and His glory and that alone is what can do it. I know it's not wrong to believe on Him for that. And when you're praying like that, to begin to think, Hey, God, if you were to move like that, what role do I play in this? God, am I? Is our church, is our readiness, our willingness, our faith, our obedience, is it in such a place that you would move and work in a mighty way like this? And folks, I just tell you what, as I've been praying about this for over two months and it's been, for me, profound to see how God's begin to shape and work in my prayer life. You know, I, uh, as I said, have been praying this now for over two months. That's long enough to begin to wonder when he's going to answer, isn't it? Do you have to pray two months? I don't know about you, I can pray it twice and I'm ready for an answer. How about y'all? I mean, if I've said it for two days in a row, I'm going, God, you know, what's up with this? You know, I mean, I stepped out, I prayed in front of the church, and, and I told the deacons, and, uh, you know, Lord, I, I asked for $2 million this year. I'm sure going to look stupid if you don't do that. You know, I say that jokingly. Folks, I want to tell you something. I think that. Isn't it amazing how in almost everything it can come back to self? No matter, I've been praying for somebody else. It comes back to self. How does this make me look? Am I happy? Am I better? Am I more successful? Will I be applauded? Will I be loved? Will I be liked? Will I be seen? And so here I am praying, God, I want you to be seen. And he confronts me, no, Randy, you're still wanting you to be seen. And so I'm, I'm praying through that, and I'm, I'm thinking about the wind, and I'm, I'm praying with a couple of guys here in our church. And, and I'm sharing some of this with them. And, uh, and they, they said, you know, Randy, right now, and, and they were aware of the five requests. They remember me praying that on April 22nd. One of them said, yeah, when you prayed that, a lot of us, up. I mean, he's crazy. I thought, well, thank you, that's awesome. Uh, But, you know, I I, I thought as as they were hearing that, you know what they said? You know what, pastor? Right now we're watching you pray. The church is kind of in a mode. Those that know, those that are watching, we're not praying. We're watching you pray. And and I don't know fully where they were going to go with that or what he was going to mean by that. But I know where I went with it. I thought, what a monumental failure on my part. Did you hear the very first line of my prayer? Lord, I pray Colonial Heights Baptist would believe on you greatly and pray greatly. And then I was praying all by myself. I mean, I might have gotten up and, and said the request publicly and out loud, but I was, I was praying by myself. Folks, I don't want to create an event where we step back and, and we watch the pastor. Man, let's see what the pastor can pray down. Folks, I can assure you If all we ever leave this church with is a story of Pastor Randy, we will not impact our community and our world one bit. If all we leave this church with is a a Colonial Heights Baptist story, we will not impact our community and our world one bit. We must, Sunday in and Sunday out, be leaving here with the story of God. And then we will impact the community. We will change the world with the story of God. It's been done. And I thought, oh my gosh. And then I uttered a prayer I've never uttered in my life. I said, God, don't answer any of my requests. Not yet. It's all messed up right now. I've got to get this out to the church. We've got, the whole church has got to be looking to you, not just me. And folks, the very same week that was happening, this was, I don't even remember, I didn't mark down. It was two, three weeks ago. And then the very same time this is happening, Ronnie West comes to me, one of our other pastors. And I, folks, I don't want to make it sound like this is some kind of big miracle. Uh, Ronnie and I had been talking about Circle Maker and, and, uh, and that material and what it teaches about prayer and, and how to involve our church. And so I, you know, we, there had been some discussions about that. But in the same time, I was praying with those men and realizing, oh my gosh, I've failed in, in leading the church to be praying about these things. So he comes to me. And he says, you know what, I've got an idea. He says that material Mark Mark Batterson has on the Circle Maker, he's got four videos on that, four four sermons, lessons that he does on that. I don't know if you're familiar with Mark Batterson. He's pastor of National Community Church up in uh, Washington, D.C. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal church. Well over 10,000 people having a tremendous impact on, on a pretty significant community, wouldn't you say? And that's the story of that church, folks, is a story of answered prayers. It is a story of God's power and work. It is a story of what only God could do. And, and so he says, Man, this this is a lot of this is told in these four messages. He said, We can stream this now into every one of our classrooms. And so what about if in the month of August, the four Sundays in August, we stream Mark Batterson into all of our classes and, and we give our, our whole church an opportunity in life groups to, to study this, to learn about it. I mean, they, they, you know, there's a workbook that goes with it if they want to buy it. There's, of course, there's the book itself if they want to get that. And he said, we'll put together a, a prayer journal for, for everybody in life group. It's called the 21 Day Challenge Prayer Journal. And, and uh, on the, uh, on, in the opening, what we'll have is your five prayer requests. That was a pretty good idea. That's what I was thinking too. <laughs> about 30 seconds ago. <laughs> but you know what, folks? All of a sudden I thought, hey, wait a minute. That's what I needed to start praying and working about. How do I get all this to the church? And Ronnie comes and says, hey, how about if we put your five prayer requests in this prayer journal? But not just those five requests for the church, but then we'll have another page where each life group has a chance to talk about how they want to see God move and work in the midst of their life group. And they can make their own requests. And and then there will be another page where each individual or every family can look and say, hey, how do we want to see God move and work in the midst of my own life or in the midst of our family? And we can begin seeking God and trusting God in all these areas. With this, we're going to be doing some prayer walking all around our community during this 21 days. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, that's the answer to everything I was just thinking. I, you know what, folks? I was going to pray about it. God, how, how do I take this to the church? How do we all start learning this? How do we all start doing this? And before I even prayed, God brought an answer. You know why God brought an answer? Because, folks, God wants you and me to see His glory. He wants us to see His glory. He wants us to see His work and His power. He wants to do something great in our midst. And so He brought the answer. And I started thinking about some of the things God was doing. Folks, almost nothing I've just said to you was planned on June 1st of this year. June 1st, that's like what, six weeks ago? This, everything we're talking about, this day, what I'm sharing with you, August, none of that was planned at staff retreat last fall. None of it was even planned as we came into this summer. Folks, I want to tell you something, and I won't go into the whole story. God's been working manipulating, putting the calendar together so that today this is what I was preaching. This was not my plan. I'm supposed to be in Romans 12. You all know that. And I won't go into that story, but God said, no, this is what we're going to do today. And here's why this is what we're going to do today. And then God brought that to August. You know, if this was a program, I would have said, God, you know, this isn't a great time for a program because like the Sunday before July 4th and the Sunday after July 4th, those are like the two lowest Sundays of the year, Lord. Lord. There'd be a lot more people if we shared this in September, October, and in August. Or a lot of people on vacation in August. Folks, this is where God put it. I don't know how to say it any different. This is where God put it. This is where He wants this done. And as I saw that coming together, I started wondering, what's God going to do? I don't know. This is not a promotion. It's not an advertisement. It's not an announcement. I'm just wondering, what's God lining up? What's He getting us in position for? What is He going to do in this place? Is there a possibility that the power and the glory of God is going to fall on this church in the month of August, and, and maybe for the rest of this year, like we have never seen and experienced in our entire lives? Why not? You know, that sentence doesn't shake us up. It doesn't shake me up. It just sounds like pastor hype. That's what pastor... Oh, it's going to be the biggest. It's going to be the bestest. It's going to be the mostest. I mean, that's that's what we do, right? You know, this is going to be the best program ever. Why can't you and I... And I, I don't know what kind of phrase to come up with here. Why can't you and I see something of biblical proportions? I can only think of one reason. Because we don't believe. We don't believe. We don't need it. We're not looking for it. I doubt anybody in this room, including myself, would say, I don't believe. I don't need it. I'm not looking for it. But I wonder if it's how we end up living. Jesus said, if you believe, you'll see my glory. And we will be compelled to tell the world. You think they had to have a class after Lazarus was raised to the dead to encourage people to go out and share what they'd seen that afternoon? I bet not. I bet you couldn't shut those people up. I'd like to ask you to do three things. Number one, I'd like you to start thinking about what would you ask God for? In, in your home, in your individual life. I don't know how much you pray for our church. What would you ask God for for Colonial Heights Baptist? What, what would God's power and glory look like falling on this church for you? What would you pray for? Now, here's the, the caveat. What would you ask God for that if He answered, you would be compelled to tell the world? And folks, I'm not using the world metaphorically. I'm saying, what would you be compelled? You could not be stopped from telling everybody you know about what you're seeing God do in your life, in your home, inside your church. Just start making a list. If you want to pray about it, go ahead. Prayer's great. Just start making a list. What would I I ask God for that would be solely dependent upon Him doing? I can't get up from the prayer time and then go start making it happen myself. The second thing I'd like to ask you to do, folks, is to be in a life group for four Sundays in August. If you're used to coming to this hour, that means you'd come to a life group at 9.55. Now, folks, I I understand the month in which I'm asking this. And I tried to explain this to God and I I don't think he got it. But folks, in all honesty, you know what? I know what August is. It's vacation month. It's a big vacation month. And if you've got vacation planned and paid for, praise God. Please go on your vacation and enjoy it. I'd be silly for wanting anything different for you. Asking anything different of you. But folks, outside of that, could I ask you to do whatever it takes in your life to be inside of a life group for four Sundays in August? You know, I know I prayed. God, I want to I want to see more people moving into life group. To be honest with you, what I'm asking of you right now is not some kind of manipulative way of saying that prayer. But oh, look how many people we have. We don't have a high attendance campaign going in August. We don't have an enrollment campaign. There's nothing like that. Folks, I'm pleading with you. I want what is going to be taught in this material. I want that for your life. That's it. That's all. No more, no less. I want you to experience that. I want you to have that. I want that for you individually. And because I do believe the church is a body of Christ, God's power falling on this place, every single individual in this room affects that opportunity. We probably are not real good at putting the math on that together. You know, a lot of us this last couple of months, we've been studying Joshua, haven't we, in life group? What do we learn there in the opening chapters of Joshua? One man's sin, Achan. One man. Small sin, private sin, his own little deal going on over here. And it it affected an entire nation and it cost the lives of people. One person not getting this. One person in sin can affect an entire church. That's what the Bible teaches. So yes, somewhat selfishly, I do want you in there. I do want you learning. I actually believe this could change your life. And I know we're used to hearing phrases like that in church without anything ever really changing that much. I really actually believe something of biblical proportion could happen. So would you do what you can, whatever it takes to be in a life. You know, if if the one hour thing, that's, you know, the one hour, that's all I can handle. That's all my schedule will let me do. Then would you consider at this hour, instead of coming in here to this room, going to a life. We have life groups at this hour. They went to worship at 9.55 and then they're in life group right now. Would, Would you not come to worship and would you go to life group? I don't I don't know if I have permission to say that. Do I, Dale? Can I say that? I don't. I don't. Okay, Dale says, okay. Seriously, if if one hour is what you got, I would ask you for four Sundays in August to go to a life group. I, I want you to have this. The third thing I would ask is that you consider how you prepare. How do I prepare as a part of this church family? Whether you feel known or involved or have a title or a position. Folks, we're the body of Christ. Every person counts. Those prayer. pray, how, how do I affect this? In other words, what if we were all asking this question? Lord, what do I need to be? What do I need to do so that you can be mighty in this place? Lord, what do I need to be? What do I need to do so that you can be mighty in this church? Can you imagine? Because I'll be honest with you folks, I can't. I'm wondering what would the body of Christ look like? What would a single church look like if every one of its members was tuned in to that one question? What do I need to be? What do I need to do so that your power and glory can fall on this place in a mighty way and we're sent out into our community and our world compelled to tell the God story? What would that look like? Prepare. Let's pray. Father God, I confess to You my lack of faith. Lord, I'd I'd be as guilty as anybody in this room of of knowing the God program, doing doing the God program. I've got the God program. I've got the beliefs. I've got the God language. I've got the God clothes. and, And I can walk along in the God system and not need You for any of it. God, I want to be desperate for you. I want us to be a people desperate for you. I want us to be a people looking at our community and our world. And seeing how we engage that community and that world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there is no hindrance. There is no block. There's nothing. Because we take it all to you in prayer. Nothing stops on us because we believe on you greatly. We believe on your power and your glory. God, some may watch this church as we just read in Acts 5. Some may watch this church and be scared to death of what's going on here. But they'll watch this church and everyone will respect. Because they know the real God's in there and the real God is working. And I pray it would result, just like it did in John 11, just like it did in Acts 5, in many believing, becoming genuine, faithful followers of Jesus Christ. God, would our faith be such that You could do that? If it's not, would You gently and graciously show us? God, would our obedience be something that you can use to do that. If not, would you graciously, patiently show us? Lord, let us each begin to position our lives so that whatever you might be, whatever you might do in this place, you can do it through me. God, we're used to saying phrases like changing the world and reaching a world, and they're just phrases. May we pray it. And may we believe it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.